it's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. My name's Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And we are here with an extra special episode of You Activated My Podcast. Jimmy, can you tell me why it's extra special? Um, You said you had something to surprise me with. No, that's not it at all. It's because it's super late. Oh. <laughs> this is a very late episode of You Activated My Podcast. Uh, I guess still technically weekly, uh, just much later on in the week than we anticipated. Usually we record this on uh, sometime over the weekend and post it on Mondays. Uh, however, this last weekend, uh, Lauren and I were at the Oregon coast celebrating our anniversary, which is very nice. Uh, and Jimmy uh, was gracious enough to uh, take care of Pepper, our dog. And uh, we didn't record because I didn't feel like watching Yu-Gi-Oh! while celebrating our anniversary. <laughs> so uh, it is now Tuesday when we are recording this, and this will probably go up sometime Wednesday. Uh, yeah, our apologies, but we'll be back on a regular schedule uh, next week. So... That's why it's extra special, cause oh, uh, yeah, cause we're we're gonna I, make I, it. Extra I was special. I got all excited. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well I'll make it up to you too. Uh, but before we get into the episode, it's, it's time! time for news. Is there news this week? Uh, so okay, so there's not there's not news as such. Uh, there is nothing as usual, particularly new in the world of Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, however, Yu-Gi-Oh. I, however. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, right. I do have a, a little personal anecdote. So news for me, I guess. Uh, I was I, I taken a little bit of a break from Duel Links. Uh, not for any particular reason. Just I just hadn't picked it up in a while. And because I, it's bad. Well, no, not because it's bad, but just <laughs> I don't know. I just I hadn't picked it up in a while. And I came back to it. And presently, what's going on is there is the uh, Kaiba Cup, which is. A, uh, they're saying, I guess, an annual thing where you duel to become the king of games. And uh, that's going on right now, and I, I tried it. You know, I, I did a couple of uh, PvP duels, and I realized, like, wow, either I am really bad at this game, or everyone else is spending a lot of money on this game. Little column A, little column B? I, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, because I'd get into these duels, and these guys would have, like, all the aesthetic stuff, like, okay, here's the the card sleeves that you pay for and the mat that you pay for, all, mm. all digital shit, mind you. Uh, but they'd have all, like, the good cards, and I'd just get demolished because I haven't spent yep. a cent on the game, uh, which feels very in keeping with kind of what Yu-Gi-Oh! is as a concept. Uh, but I started thinking about what does making a Yu-Gi-Oh! game, like programming a Yu-Gi-Oh! game, look like? Because I was thinking about like, oh man, like somebody had to program all of these cards and all the aesthetics and all the the animations and all these things. What does that actually look like? So I did a little bit of research, and I like I'm not a like great programmer, but I'm enough to be dangerous. Like I know kind of my way around a few things. Look out, he's got code. <laughs> uh, so I started looking up like what. Please, would... I have a family. <laughs> What kind of considerations do you have to make to program a Yu-Gi-Oh game? Because there's all sorts of like random things or seemingly random things that cards do. There are lots of effects. There's things that are very unique to each card. Uh, And there are some cards that have just a shit ton of text on them, right? Like very specific scenarios where they do certain things. And I found a project called YGO Pro, which is essentially that. It's an open source uh, digital Yu-Gi-Oh engine. 
That is very close to being the nerdiest thing I've ever heard. Right? It's insane. And the people who are building this, it is it is absolutely a feat of engineering. It is incredible, and my hat is perpetually off to them. Uh, you can find it at ygopro.co, uh, so ygopro.co, uh, which just rolls off the tongue. And, uh, yeah, it's just this sort of open-source Yu-Gi-Oh! project, which is really, really, really impressive. Uh, I have not had a chance, because I'm just getting a, a new PC set up that I actually have sitting here in front of me. Uh, I have not had the chance to, like, download it and work with it, you know, properly. But one of the things that I discovered is that part of how they make it work is they have this massive database of every Yu-Gi-Oh! card ever made. And it's just a giant, it's actually, well, it's two giant, huge, 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 huge spreadsheets. And one of them tracks uh, every card and, and their like unique ID and their level and their you know power ratings and like what kind of card it is. And then the other spreadsheet is like all the flavor text, all the different effects that it has. And uh, so I, today I was kind of messing around with that and I got a json uh export of those databases and something that i'm going to show off later on in the episode is i have built a web page that every time you load the page it loads a random Yu-Gi-Oh card which is not a thing that i've been able to find on online uh i was looking around and there is an official Yu-Gi-Oh like database but uh-huh. it's like a you search for a card and it will show you the information for that card it's not you can't like do like a, a random, random card. yeah yeah you know like the wikipedia random yeah. page thing huh. and and there's like a Yu-Gi-Oh wikia and all that which is great but you you're not guaranteed to get a card so if i just want a random card oh i gotta build a tool myself and that was how i spent my lunch break today uh so anyway so we're gonna revisit that later on but that's kind of my little anecdote today is that uh programming a Yu-Gi-Oh game is tough as shit and it takes a lot of people a lot of time that doesn't surprise uh, me and it took probably more time than it was worth to even make this dumb little random Yu-Gi-Oh card thing but uh yeah so ygopro.com or, or .co pardon me uh hugely 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 impressive uh Jimmy you texted me today and let me know that you finished the manga is that yes, right yes i have finished all of what is considered to be season 0 and it ends in this climactic battle, this 10-issue arc, uh, where we meet uh, Bakura for the mm, first time, mm-hmm. and he plays D&D with them. Wait, what? Yeah. The, uh, the whole thing is, well, like I mentioned to you before, uh, it's pretty obvious that the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! probably would have wanted to make a D&D-based manga instead. Sure. Because... Uh, at the beginning of all these issues, there's like a little blurb from him that's like a comment about some random thing. And one of his comments was about how he's so tired of, he can't play D&D with his friends anymore because he's spending all his time writing this manga. Oh yeah, like the most nerdy complaint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't play D&D because <laughs> I'm writing a card game oh, well, manga. Oh, me. <laughs> so, yeah. okay, so, but they actually, do they call it Dungeons and Dragons? What do they, no, what do they call it? No, it's, um... Like almost every other uh, game that we've that he's made up so far, it's like monster something battle. Monster fill in the blank. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Bakura shows up at their school, and it's for obvious from the start he's going to be a main character because he's the only person who has hair that's almost as crazy as Yugi's. Right. Yeah. 
um, it turns out this uh, he's just a real friendly, shy kid, and it turns out he loves RPGs and wants to, to play them. Uh-huh. But mysteriously, everyone who's played an RPG with him has fallen into a coma. Ooh. And um, it's uh, revealed that he has the Millennium Ring, and um, he wants... He, w- he really wants to play uh, RPGs with Yugi and company because they're the only ones who like show an interest in him and Yugi's super into games. Okay. And so um, he like shuns them because he doesn't want his terrible secret to be revealed, but they go to his apartment to play what is essentially kind of like a... It's like a combination of D&D and a, um, just like a board game where you've got like this... Like a... Like... Like D and D with miniatures, basically. Okay, you've got sure, like a sure, little sure. board and little grid pieces and like little castles and like terrain elements. Sure, it's actually okay. like really cool. And um, so, as it turns out, he's been trapping everyone he plays with inside D and D minis, like the little plastic pieces. And then whenever he plays uh, an RPG in this system. Um, he's actually using the people who he's played with before. Like when you interact with an NPC, what? it's that person who's like been brainwashed to try and survive oh, as so a mini, or he'll kill them. So it's not like um, it's not like Pegasus style, like trapping their soul. It's actually yes, turning... kind of them. Oh, it is. It is kind of that. Yeah, he he takes their souls using the Millennium Ring. I okay. guess it is. It's called, and he takes their souls and like the. Uh, the 25 ravenous dragons box he's trapping their soul in inside these little minis wow little mini figs okay and it turns out just like how yugi has the pharaoh he's also got this evil alter ego that like comes through oh sure and, sure, uh, sure yeah and like takes control yeah, through we the, actually, the millennium and we, ring and we see that later on in the show too okay i figured uh so okay so so at this point they He's trying to convince them to not play D&D with him. Yeah. But they because, come over anyway. Yeah, because he knows that his alter ego will come out and trap them in the minis. Wow. Oh, okay. So he's like, you won't like me when I DM. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Okay. Please okay. don't. I want to play games so bad, but please don't come over and but play games with me. please don't come over and play games. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, but they come over anyway and they yeah. start playing. They start playing and um, whenever... Um, there's a whole bunch of like dice rules that are made up for this game. Sure. But um, the end result is that he traps every everyone inside these little minis, and then Yugi sacrifices himself because if all his friends are going to be trapped forever, uh, he's going to do that too. And Bakura is like, or the evil Bakura. It's never he's never given like a name for this alternate Bakura. It's just other Bakura. Sure, sure, sure. But um. So Yugi sacrifices himself, and B- evil Bakura is like, Mwahaha, I've won. I am the ultimate game master. What? Because Yugi is still sitting there and playing the game with him because uh, the pharaoh is has, in his body. Yep, two souls. Yep, okay. And, classic um, two-soul scenario. Yep. Another classic double-soul gambit. Second, yeah, second soul setup. Yeah. Oh, anyway, boy. there's a lot of uh, cheating with dice going on, uh, A lot because... His power is the ability to roll crits whenever he wants. I mean, when you're the DM, that's not really a power. That's just called lying about yeah. what you roll. He literally <laughs> says, they, they, they literally talk about cheating. Uh-huh. And um, as it turns out, uh, Pharaoh Yugi 
is also good at cheating because he's the king of games. Yeah. Fair. And there's like a whole page where he explains to you, the, the reader, how to cheat uh, with two D10s. Oh. The trick, is, apparently, is to take one of them or take both of them and spin them like tops. Uh-huh. And so one of them is all odds and one of them, one side is all evens. And so you spin them to, so it's always going to be evens on one side. Okay. And then the, the faster spinning one is going to knock the other one so it slows down. And then by moving the table like sneakily with your feet under the table, uh-huh. you can basically knock it into it as many times as you want. This seems very elaborate. It's extremely elaborate, and I feel like anyone's going to notice you moving the entire table around. Yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> oh, this is weird. Every time Yugi rolls, the table starts shaking. What's up with that? <laughs> it's not a very uh, subtle way Yugi of rolls cheating at dice rolls. Has anyone else noticed how Yugi rolls real weird? <laughs> Anyway, there are some pretty choice quotes um, from yeah, you, you this series. You sent me a couple of uh, pictures earlier today. Uh, some uh, some screencasts. Yeah. Uh, anyway, obviously the friends are all like cheering for Yugi, and sure. he's like, "You hear that, Bakura? My hand channels their anger into these dice. Dice roll." Because oh obviously it's an anime, and every time you have yeah. like a move, you yell it out. Oh but boy. the move is just dice roll, and so he yells like dice roll like ten times throughout the. The issue. I'm going to start doing that every time I play D&D. <laughs> just yell out dice roll. I'm not even going to say what my character does. I'm just going to say dice roll. Dice roll. <laughs> uh, another good quote is, when we get mad, the dice get angry. Because he's channeling the anger of his friends into uh, yeah. the, the heart of the dice. Okay. So the, oh, the heart of the dice. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. And here, here comes another twist. Um, I'm forgetting which one is Mokuba and which one's Bakura because their names kind of sound similar. Uh, Bakura has the white hair. Yes, Mok- Mokuba Bakura. has the black hair. I I am realizing now that their hair looks real similar style wise, though. Well, their their names both have O's and K's in them, so yeah. For someone like me who's like never watched it before, it's a little they hard to aura. yeah to remember sometimes. Anyway, Bakura, who I've been talking about this whole time. <laughs> right. Um, has also sealed the souls of his vanquished friends into the dice and brainwashed them. So that's how he's able to roll all these crits all the time. He just rolls the dice, and it's actually a person's soul trapped in there that rolls it to be whatever he wants. Uh, what? And the quote that he says is, Dance, brainwashed dice. What? Okay, again, I feel like the easier solution here is to just lie about what you're... Because, like, traditionally, and I, I haven't read this issue, so I, I don't know if this is how they're playing, but traditionally when you're playing, like, Dungeons & Dragons or something, there's a little screen that you put up to kind of protect the Dungeon Master's notes yeah. from the other players so you can, like, make plans and adjustments and things without the player seeing it, and you typically roll on, you know, your side of the screen so the players don't see what you roll. Like... The simpler solution here, rather than uh, as fun as it sounds... (laughs) To capture souls and imbue them into dice. Which just sounds great and super fun and easy and and a great way to spend a a Friday night. Just don't be truthful about what you're rolling. Like, that's... No, he doesn't do that. All the dice rolls are right out in the open. Okay. And there's a lot of, like... It was actually kind of hilarious seeing all all these, like super intense like anime zooms and there's like motion lines everywhere but it's just going to 
like dice rolls. Right, 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 right. Okay, well, I can get behind that. Yeah. I'd, I'd watch that anime. Yeah. Anyway, um, since Bakura is the game master, uh-huh. um, he's controlling the boss uh, of like this giant monster kingdom sure game now okay at this point i have to ask so everything that we're seeing in the issue is like the miniatures though right yes it's not like, it's a, not like okay. an alternate world or something right, we it's like transported to the shadow realm or there's no holographics no. going on okay theater it, of the mind but it's, it is often like from the miniatures point of view so like oh. they're on this little grid and like their actual selves are like looming above them like giants Oh, that's creepy. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Anyway, so um, during the fight, they, they're fighting this boss monster guy. Uh, I think his name is uh, Vork or something. I'm trying to remember. It was some like generic. Vork from Zork. Spork. It might be Zork. Oh, oh, really? Wait, no. Wait, no. no, it can't be Zork. It can't Zork. be Zork. <laughs> that would be too good. <laughs> it's a very different IP. Yeah. Anyway, um, he is like the avatar of uh, Mokuba in this scenario. Of Mokuba or Bakura? Bakura, sorry. Okay, because you've had... Okay. <laughs> Keep missing Mokuba the is in the anime, up. Bakura yes. is in the manga. We just All watched right. a whole episode about Mokuba. That's yeah, why. we'll get to that. Bakura, for the second time, remembering. Um, they, they chop off the boss's hand, and then later on, Bakura looks down, and his own left hand is typing by itself on what? his laptop. And it's actual, uh, the body and soul of Bakura, the original like nice kid uh, who's like gotten free because they were able to defeat classic, part of this imaginary monster. Classic double goal, double soul gambit. And it and it's Bakura, good Bakura, is basically uh-huh. telling evil Bakura that he's going to thwart his plans. Good Kura versus bad Kura. See, so, yeah. <laughs> so you know what he does. You, know, you remember um, Hot Fuzz, the end when... Uh, Spoilers for Hot Fuzz. Yeah, if you haven't seen the incredible comedy Hot Fuzz, go see it and then come back to this podcast yeah. episode. Pause this podcast, watch the entirety <laughs> of Hot Fuzz, we'll be here, we'll wait. Well, the bad guy in Hot Fuzz like impales himself on the church steeple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Bakura looks da- evil Bakura looks down at the spires of the castle and stabs his own hand. Onto the spire of oh, the castle. Oh, like the miniature castle. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so like, ha, that's what you get, Bakura. What? Yeah. He, he stabs himself through the own left hand so other Bakura can't use it. So bad Kura. Bad Kura. Stabs the, the He's hand, controlling the, the hand, body except right, for the hand. Except for that one, except for the right hand. Yeah, the left hand. Oh, the left hand. Oh, so he takes the arm that he is controlling attached. He takes the left arm. Yes. Oh my, Oh my God. So it's like some evil dead shit. Yeah. Okay. All anyway, right. Bakura gets mad and decides to just kill him off instead. Sure. Okay. And so at this point, it's basically Yu-Gi-Oh, the chick tracked there's demons involved. Kids are passing out and their yeah. souls are getting trapped left and right. You know, a classic game of D and D really, yeah. really for being honest here. Um, so then, um, there are, the final boss fight, uh, good Bakura is able to manifest his own mini on the table, like coming out of the fu- out of the boss figure. Oh wow! So like he's like astral projecting an- another. Yeah, manager? he's like using the power of his soul to like manifest this little 
white knight to wow. help the, right. okay. the other the other kids. Okay. Yep. And um, power I legitimately wish I could have. There, it comes down to one final roll versus the boss, uh-huh. and both of them score crits. Yugi and um, Bakura. Bad Kura. Bad Kura. Uh huh. And um, so. In the, in the rules of the game, Bakura is going to win and kill all of them forever. But good Kura uses his soul to destroy his critical hit dice and sacrifices himself to save the Yugi and company. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so when you say destroy the critical hit dice, is he also destroying his, the souls that are trapped in them? These were like special dice. Because they were like previously inert dice, and then Bakura, Bad Kura, uh-huh. infused these dice with hit part of his own soul. Oh. Again, making a Horcrux to make like evil dice that would like do his bidding and get crits every time. Yeah, but Which Good Kura was also bad. able to put some of his soul in them, and he was a- he's somehow able to like crumble them into dust. Wow! And so Yugi and company win. Again, I think proving that the moral of the story is that wherever possible, you should stick to having one soul. <laughs> I think a one soul per person rule is it's probably pretty good. a good idea. So they win, and evil Bakura just straight up fucking dies. Wow. But good Bakura, you might remember, yes, created uh, a minifig containing his soul as yes, well. And it's still there, and so he's using, he's able to use the last of his in-game magic to bring everyone back to life and restore, restore their souls to their own bodies, and uh-huh. he gets his own body back. Oh, how nice. Good. I was worried that he was going to be like Matt Damon downsized. <laughs> and just have to run, run around with them and like, I'm Bakura. I'll yeah. help you solve. I'm a, I'm a permanent play games, you Yeah. Mean? Wow. Okay. Wow. And that's the end of season zero of Yu-Gi-Oh. That's insane. I, okay, I love the fact that, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've gone through all these different games, but it's so clear that, like, weird D&D, like, especially, like, satanic panic era D&D, like, when everyone was really worried that Dungeons & Dragons was teens summoning demons and transferring their souls into miniatures like i really love that it comes back around to that influence in a really real way for the series yeah it makes me wonder what kind of influence that had in japan yeah i don't know is the thing like because we only ever hear that sort of thing from you know, the American Puritan sort of perspective. Yeah, yeah, very You never Western hear about it, like, expre- extending to other countries. Right. I mean, it had to, right? Like, I'm sure there was at least a European sort of version of this, but, I mean, maybe in Japan, like, maybe it was it was different or, or even worse. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Okay, but so you're at the end of season zero. Yes. Are there more... Issues. I just found out today that yes, the uh, the manga continues and basically, as from what I can tell, goes into the storyline of what the anime that we've been watching. Oh, more so or it comes less. back around to Duel Monsters. Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. So I wonder if maybe now, like as you move into that, if we'll start seeing more of a similarity between what you're reading and what we have just watched. Probably. 
but I would guess more violent. Probably more violent. <laughs> if the manga so far has taught us anything, it's that it is not afraid to be incredibly <laughs> violent. Um, damn. Man, stabbing stabbing your own hand on a... Mi- okay. I. That's so metal, though. That's so metal. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out if I even have, like, the wherewithal to find a way to do, like, a stage makeup version of that, like, like as we're playing D&D or something. And I'll, uh, I'll have to talk with Lauren. Who's oh, it's like our a prank on your, your players? Yeah, or, like, just a way to really get, like, like say, so we have the um, the Curse of Strahd, uh, Dungeons and Dragons book. It's sort of the, the new, like, Castle Ravenloft adventure, and it's very macabre and dark. And, and it would be so cool to, like, halfway through describing like some gory death or whatever to like crunch down on a miniature with your hand and like pop a bl- like a blood packet or something <laughs> so like hidden. so like the miniature starts like bleeding or like you start bleeding after stabbing your hand and you're like it looks like you're bleeding all over this you know miniature like church set or something like damn that would be cool just be like evil bakura and stab yourself for real that's the moral. That's the real moral of this story. Kids, be more like evil Bakura. <laughs> be more like bad Kura. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm. Also, that whole thing took like ten freaking issues to get through. And how long is an issue here? Uh, you know, it's a comic book, so like twenty pages. Oh wow. Okay, that's actually that's more than I was expecting. Okay. Wow. I haven't like counted the pages, but but again, like it's it's the Yu-Gi-Oh pacing still. I'm yeah. imagining, so of course everything's gonna take forever. Like, w- you know, we just watched a 20 minute episode where literally we we saw two turns of a duel and that was it. Um, a lot of other stuff happened, but you know, the pacing of this property is very odd. Um, wow. Well, I'm so glad that it ended up that way. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that good Cora got his body back. Uh, that should be the, the title of that last issue. <laughs> How good Cora got his groove back. That's the title of the episode. Oh, there we go. Well, no, the title of the episode is the title of the episode. Uh, yeah. been, sorry. <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble there. We'll, uh, we'll put that in the... Put, well, I'll put it into the description Put it in the notes, you. yeah. There we go. It'll be in the show notes. Check out the show notes uh, in your podcast reader. Uh, or go to tyler.game slash yamp or welcome to flavor.town slash yamp. Uh, I'm going to be buying, in other news, a domain name specifically for the podcast, but I I need to uh, figure out exactly what it's going to be. Welcome, to, or not welcome to Flavor Town. Youactivatemypodcast.com uh, is available, uh, but I also kind of feel like going funny with it, like, 25ravenousdragons.com is available. 25ravenousdragons.org would be really <laughs> funny. Uh, but I, but I don't, again, <laughs> I don't know. Org. Dot gov. Dot <laughs> I wish, right? Welcome to the official U.S. government Yu-Gi-Oh! web <laughs> portal. Oh, man, if only there was still a way to do that. Back in the early days, you could totally register a dot gov, and that would be fine. But, oh, man. Well, anyway, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, are we ready to move into the episode? Let's move on. It's, it's time, time to discuss the episode. Uh, so, Jimmy, you summarized last week's episode, so it's my turn to summarize the episode. And I'm going to try to go quick because a lot happened here. 
once again, this is season one, episode eight. Everything's relative. Uh, and this episode opens. Pun title. Yeah, again, a pun title. Uh, a fun pun title. Uh, this episode opens with a really bizarre soundscape and it is just the huffing and puffing of like an eight-year-old boy for easily three minutes <laughs> it is it opens with a sort of castle tower which we assume is uh, a pegasus's castle on duelist kingdom and uh a masked figure uh who's got like a bandana over his face and a, and a purple beanie on uh looks out a window and he hops out uh with a sort of like you know, escape from uh, Alcatraz style. A very generic, just bunch of bed sheets knitted together. Exactly. And yeah, it's like bed 20 sheet bed sheets. I don't it's know where so he got all bed these bed sheets. Uh, and it's just like, it's easily a couple minutes of just this child going, like it sounds like a Legend of Zelda soundboard. It sounds like Link making Hut. those. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But over and over again for like two minutes. And finally, I think easily three minutes into the episode, the first spoken line is uh, one of Pegasus's henchmen coming into the room and saying, all right, I got your, your gruel ready for you or whatever. And he notices that the room is empty. So uh, he goes to Pegasus and reports the prisoner has escaped. Uh, to which Pegasus replies, which one? Again, proving that he is the best badass in this show. Uh, and he goes that... He's the bad guy, can you tell? He's the, Can you tell? Uh, and he goes, the young one who was in the room and all these things. Uh, and he goes, well, I know exactly where that guy's going. He's going to go fight Yugi. Uh, and so we get a sort of recap of where Yugi is at, thanks to Pegasus's uh, Alexa, basically. Uh, Pegasus says, hey, Alexa... Uh, you know, tell me Yugi's hey, where's whereabouts. Yugi? <laughs> where's Yugi? And we get this whole recap of Yugi's whereabouts. Cut to Yugi doing a similar ca- <laughs> uh, a, a recap of his whereabouts. Yeah, it's just he and him and his friends walking along, giving exposi- exposition on what happened in the last couple of episodes. So if you didn't get enough exposition in the last few episodes, you get double exposition in this one because you get the computer first and then Yugi and his friends. Uh, and they... It's really bad exposition, too. It's like, gee, Yugi, I really, I'm really glad you're like, you've got your five star chips, and you need ten so we can go and save your grandpa, whose soul has been trapped in tape by Pegasus, whose island we're on. And you've got this many stars, and you need exactly this many, and then you go to the castle, and you fight Pegasus, and then the thing. Uh, and they come across... Uh, a uh, another duelist who is being uh, manhandled by uh, w- one of my favorite parts of one of an earlier episodes. This guy. Uh, a guy who it's revealed his name is Chemo, uh, K E K E M O, not C H E M O, like I thought at first, which would have been a really weird name. Uh, now it's only a slightly weird name. Uh, Chemo is is manhandling this dude. And they go, hey, what's going on? The kid's like screaming, help me, help me, you know, get him off me. Uh, And uh, Kimo explains that this duelist has run out of starships, so he needs to be uh, removed from the island. And, uh, you know, it's kind of shown that like the folks who are being removed from the island are getting put on rowboats and they're going to row back to the mainland. Yeah, it's like Weevil and two other dudes that they just shoved in this dinghy and they're just going to wait until they have enough people and then just like row back push them away from the island you know they're gonna row the the length of ocean that took a yacht like a day a full day to go anyway uh and the kid says 
well, I didn't lose my star chips in a duel. They were stolen, and all my cards were stolen. And Kimo goes, doesn't matter. You're out of chips. You got you to gotta go. So Yugi and Joey and Tristan and Taya, believing that, you know, there's justice in the world, follow them and ask the kid kind of what happened. And this kid who I don't think gets a name, but he's definitely modeled after Jonathan Taylor Thomas uh, from Home Improvement. Uh <laughs> Like, like this kid's well known in might, Japan. Yeah, right. His name might as well be like Dylan something. Uh, he explains that he was going to duel with this masked kid, uh, and before he could even you know play a card, he set down his tokens, his star chips, and he set down his deck. And the kid swipes. As you them. do when you're about to duel, I mean, you, you just you drop put, your deck you, and leave it out of your sight but, for a couple but, minutes. I mean, you gotta, you gotta put them on the table anyway. And, and we see later on... There's no table. They're in the middle of the woods. Well, I mean, there's the duel arena, and we see later on that this is... <laughs> They're 50 feet apart. Okay, based on what we see later, <laughs> this kid totally just got... He got hijacked, is the thing. He got shanghaied. So his cards get stolen, his chips get stolen, and uh, the, the friends kind of talk about it, and Joey decides you know what, we are going to go find those chips. I'm going to find it, and I've got a brilliant idea on how to find him. Uh, and he starts kind of playing the detective a little bit. And so they uh, offer to find the star chips, and Kimo goes, okay, well, this boat's going to leave in 30 minutes, whether or not this kid has chips. Uh, and they go, okay, we'll be back in 30 minutes. So they go off. The and scheduled rowboat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love how it's like, this boat's going to leave in the exactly the length of one episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, and so they go off, and they go, okay, well, Joey, you know, this is your idea. What are you going to do? And he goes, well, we're going to find the kid, and we're going to duel him, and we're going to beat him. And Yugi's like, I got an idea, and just sits the fuck down. <laughs> and, and they're like, whoa, what are, you, what are you doing? And he goes, well, if he stole cards, then all this person wants to do is duel, and who's he going to want to duel except for me? obviously being the best and sure a fuck enough he's right because 30 seconds later this masked dude comes out of the woods and goes all right i'm here to duel and yugi goes up oh, I, I told you here we are uh speak of the devil speak of the devil here he is so yugi agrees to duel and uh they kind of set up for the duel and everyone's a little confused about like who this masked kid is and we learn who the masked kid is through a flashback that the kid has. And the flashback is of the Kaiba Corporation headquarters, and it is Mokuba, uh, Seto Kaiba's little brother, calling out to Seto saying, hey, where are you? Like, what, what are you doing? Why are you hiding in your office? And he comes into uh, Seto Kaiba's office and finds him uh, sort of hunched over his cards and like, you know, feverishly studying them. And he goes, he's well, twitching. He's, he's like he's, freaking out. Yeah, he is on something or off something. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, and he, Mokuba is asking Seto, like, what's wrong? What's going on? You, you know, you always told me, like, this is just, you know, this game is all about power, and, and you're, you're freaking me out, basically, is what he's saying. And Seto's like, well, ever since I lost, I don't really know, like, who I am anymore. I don't know what I have to offer the world because I have only ever been the best at this, and now I'm not I have anymore. lost one game in a children's card game, and it has destroyed my self-worth. Exactly. I mean, that's basically what he says, yeah. So he uh, gives Mokuba uh, his favorite card, or Mokuba's favorite card, I guess, and packs up his briefcase full of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and leaves, and he goes, I'm going to go find myself. 
essentially saying that he's going to go on this like quest of the spirit uh, and and leaves. Kaiba quest. And uh, we cut back to the duel between uh, who is now revealed to be Mokuba and Yugi. And Yugi, using his, you know, uh, Pharaoh Yugi third eye, intuits that this is Mokuba uh, and says, like, oh, okay, you know, I, I understand that you're dueling me to sort of get revenge, I guess. Is that what's going on? And they start dueling. Uh, and Yeah, I think, what was Mokuba's line? It was, like, something like, um, you broke up my family, and now I'm going to break you up. Yep, that's exactly the line. Uh, and it turns out that Mokuba is really bad at dual monsters, so he just starts losing immediately. And uh, a Yugi is trying to teach him, like, hey, you know, it's it's because these cards aren't yours. Like, you can't deal with, or you, you can't duel with cards that were made with, you know, someone else's heart, basically, is what he says. I forget the actual line, but it's, it's about that corny. And... Uh, Mogaba keeps, you know, losing, and uh, they have another flashback to what Mogaba's really angry about, and that is when Seto left, uh, the shareholders at the company called in Pegasus and told him, hey, uh, we need your leadership to take over Kaiba Corporation. Our CEO is literally a teenage boy who ran away. Yeah, so we, we want to bring you in. Uh, the only catch there being is that Mokuba is still out in the wild. So first we need to kidnap him. And in name, he'll run the company, but we'll control Mokuba. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. And then they say, and additionally, uh, the reason that Seto left is because Yugi beat him. So to restore the company's good name and faith in the company, you need to beat Yugi. So Pegasus goes, oh, perfect. Cool. I've got that all taken care of look, I've already captured Mokuba because uh, Mokuba is like in the hallway eavesdropping. And yeah, he's like five feet behind him. Yeah, so Kimo captures Mokuba uh, and he goes, and I've already got plans to duel Yugi. So bada bing, bada boom, there we go. Uh, and, you know, again, we, we cut back to Mokuba and Yugi dueling and uh, Yugi is sort of using his third eye again that we only know a little bit about uh, to learn more about this. And while his uh, attention is focused elsewhere, Mokuba sneaks up behind Yugi and steals a fistful of his star chips and just runs away. Uh, and as he's trying to run away, Yugi yells out after him, hey, you know, it's, it's not because of anything you did that Seto went away, and it's not because of anything I did, really. All I did was remove the evil that was... Uh, forcing his actions remove the evil that was motivating him and without that evil seto didn't really know what to do with himself because he'd gotten so used to it so it's it's i think it's implied that that was the um when he used his magic to like hit, yeah uh kaiba he was like ah! yeah so episode one when yugi wins that duel against kaiba and says open your mind and we see that like glass shattering thing happen What's it's a penalty game, there, like in the manga. Exactly, yeah. But what's happening there is uh, he's being freed of evil influence in his life. And that was the thing that was driving him, that was giving him that uh, sort of purpose. And without that purpose, he has to rediscover himself. So he's Yugi's explaining this to Mokubo, like, hey, he's going to be okay. Like, he's fine. Um, he just needs some time to figure out, like, what he is without this influence. So... 
having this talk and, and this sort of, you know, heart of the cards to heart of the cards, Yugi and Mokuba yeah. make amends and they get Mokuba to agree to give the cards and the tokens back to uh, the kid. Because uh, stealing is wrong. Well, yeah, kind of that. And kind of because they realize, and Taya realizes this first, like the reason that Mokuba wants to duel Yugi is because if he beats a Yugi, Yugi can't face Pegasus. And if he can't face Pegasus, Pegasus can't beat him. Therefore, Pegasus can't run Kaiba Corp. Because that was like one of the stipulations for Pegasus to run Kaiba Corp. So it's all this sort of weird, like, they try to make it about political intrigue, but it kind of doesn't work, and it's mostly stealing is wrong, which I think is a good Yeah, if you can't be a CEO because you lost a card game to a kid, it's like, who cares? Well, I mean, that's, uh, like, if anything's going to be a legitimate reason for, like, taking over ownership of a company, like, it's going to be beating a kid in a card game, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. In, <laughs> in this world, that's perfectly legitimate. Uh, so they go back to the docks, and... Uh, he, uh, they get there too late is the thing. And the boat's already taking off and Mokuba goes, well, hang on. I've got all these chips and Kimo's standing there at the docks and he swipes all the chips out of Mokuba's hand and they go into the water and everyone freaks out. Cause a lot of those chips were Yugi's chips. So Yugi doesn't have as many chips anymore. And, uh, Kimo goes, the chips are down. The chips are literally down and, and in the water. Uh, although I didn't, we just meet a like fish. Bo- yeah, like I, a water boy. I was really maybe... expecting him to be like right there. And like, it didn't look that like that deep of water either. No. It looked like it was maybe four feet deep. At yeah. Most. They're, they're on the coast. I don't, it's I don't right know. at the edge of the beach. So. Anyway. So then Kimo grabs Mokubo again and, uh, Yugi goes, well, okay. Even though there are that many starships left, you can't just re kidnap this child. So I'm going to challenge you Kimo to a duel. And Kimo goes, okay, great uh he's operating strictly on team rocket logic right meanwhile uh we cut back to seto kaiba's whereabouts and kaiba does not look good he is in this sort of he's in his summer mansion yeah he's in a summer mansion like kind of off in the middle of nowhere it looks really nice it's this like house on a cliff basically and he is uh pouring over all of these notes and running the numbers and i think he he even says like multiple times like calculating the odds and he's trying to figure out how yugi beat him and it's it's it was this impossible play that yugi made even though yugi was about to lose before beating kaiba uh and so he's he's sort of slowly going crazy and he's building these portable holographic generators so that when he faces Yugi again, no matter where it is, they'll be able to have a proper duel. Uh, because you can't just play a card game. You need hologram projectors. Right, exactly, exactly. So he's, he's sort of, you know, he, he's putting his mind to work anyway, which I think is good for him. Uh, and then there's a knock at the door, uh, which has the best subtitle ever. It's Goon, comma, knocking. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's two of Pegasus's goons, and they try to get Kaiba to come with them because they are, you know, being employed by Pegasus to help facilitate the takeover of this company. And instead of going with them, Kaiba packs up his two portable hollow deck, whatever things in his briefcase. And he jumps out the fucking window. He says, you'll never take me alive. Uh, and he, he, he leaps 
and the two thugs look out the window and there's nothing there because like i said it's a mansion on a cliff so they're like well there's no way he survived that jump because that's like 200 feet straight down into some jagged rocks. into some jagged rocks uh so fade out, commercial break, we come back, and it's Yugi still challenging Kimo to a duel, and Kimo says, all oh. right. Oh, go ahead. Uh, one thing, uh, Kaiba left behind his deck with oh, his blue-eyes right, right. white dragons. So the, so the thugs are searching the room, and they go, well, one thing that Pegasus does want is Kaiba's precious blue-eyes white dragon, and it's revealed very dramatically. There's like a music sting that he left his blue-eyes white dragon there, which is very unlike Kaiba, and I think a sign that he kind of came unhinged there yeah he's totally lost it uh and so we cut back to yugi challenging uh chemo and chemo says okay cool meet me at duel arena such and such in four hours and um, you'll get your duel uh so fast forward four hours they come to this duel arena and they go all right we're here where is you know this guy that we're gonna be dueling and he's had Mokuba in a headlock this entire time. Yeah, we literally never see... Well, there's one scene where we see Kimo not giving some... Like, putting someone in a headlock. Uh, and that was, that was like, at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so he's got uh, Mokuba there in a headlock. And he goes, well, you're not going to be doing me, but you are going to be doing somebody. And he gestures over to the duel arena. And there's this shadowy figure. And he goes, it's an old friend who wants a rematch. And it's revealed that it's Seto Kaiba standing there and he's got this sunken face and his eyes are glazed over and he goes, uh, you know, what's the line? He says something really weird and dramatic. He goes, yes, I've been dying to duel you or something. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and it is revealed that he actually died. And is a zombie. And is a zombie. Essentially. Uh, and given the titles of the next two episodes, Duel with a Ghoul and Give Up the Ghost, we're going to see Yugi fight zombie Kaiba over the next two episodes. And we end on a to be continued. Now that's the sort of, uh, like, that's the caliber of stuff that I expect from the manga. And I'm surprised to see it for the first time show up here it's in the anime. It's so dramatic here. Uh, now, of course, that was a very sort of quick episode. It's, it feels very dense. It's a 20-minute episode, but it feels very dense. Um, a lot of stuff happened in this a episode. A lot of stuff happened. Very little of it was dueling, but I feel like that's okay. Uh, Compared to previous episodes where it was nothing but dueling and it took forever, Yeah, this was a, a welcome change. And, I, and it looks like we we're about to get two episodes of nothing but duels, so I, I think we're... It's almost the same... Um, thumbnail for each one of <laughs> Yuga, Yugi, Yugi standing there holding some cards right uh Jimmy what was your uh what was your best part of this episode listen Pegasus sitting alone at a table in his own castle e- eating cheese and drinking wine and reading a comic book is what I aspire to be fruit juice <laughs> he specifically says the world's best fruit juice as we saw in the movie he he does have red wine. That's true. That's true. But I think the movie took a, a few more liberties with the translation. Yeah, I think so. So, so Pegasus. Yes. Nice. What was, what was your favorite? Oh, man. I think my favorite is that although they could afford a yacht to bring all the duelists to Duelist Kingdom, they forced them to row back. <laughs> and in these tiny little in dinghies. In this like, four-person rowboat. 
And I think my favorite part of that is specifically that it's Weevil Underwood in the first boat that we see on his way back. Because, uh, of course. And he's I mean, still he's, got an attitude. He's still got an attitude, but I love that he it's says taken, buzz off. It's taken this long for them to fill one row. Because you get the sense that like they need enough people to actually man the oars to row it back. <laughs> so I'm just picturing Weevil has been sitting there since whatever episode he lost to Yugi you know, four episodes ago or whatever. He's just been sitting there waiting for other people to lose and nobody's not losing. only lose, but get rounded up by the goons right. and dragged over to this boat. So we're finally like a day or two later, we've got, okay, four people have lost. <laughs> Great. Okay. We're going to get rid of those. So I don't know. I, that's, I love that, that image. Um, I feel like I had something else that was my favorite. It, it might be Pegasus's like, Hey Alexa, conversation that he has oh, with the computer. Uh, with the computer, but um, yeah, I don't know. There were lots of like little good things here. Things like you know when when Yugi is sort of giving the pep talk to Mokuba and kind of having that like big brother big sister moment uh, where he's like mentoring Mokuba a little bit. Um, I love that moment. I love that Yugi can apparently see other people's flashbacks. With his third eye, uh, that's not really explained, but... Third eye for breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how about your worst? Uh, the worst? Um, my worst was the, uh, the, the entire plot by Kaiba's board of directors. Mm. They were entirely justified in taking over the company with Pegasus's help. And they would have gotten away with it, too, if they didn't, like, add kidnapping into the mix. Right. They could have just been like, hey, kid, uh, we need you to run the company in name only while we run it, and so we don't spoil your brother's good name. And he'd be like, okay, but instead they kidnap him. But their CEO is literally a teenager who just ran away, and they want to go to the creator of this world-famous card game and ask him mm -hmm. to like run their company and like buy it out. That's an entirely sound business practice. It really is. It truly is. Yeah. I. But they just had to throw kidnapping in there they because yeah. they're the bad guys. Right. It's really sort of meant to just reiterate exactly that. And as if the dramatic, you know, were the bad guys lighting, like, didn't do the trick. Yeah, they look like the, um, I think it's they're called the Shadow Council from uh, the Avengers movies, where yes. everyone's just, like, super darkly lit, and they're like, we need to nuke New York. And yeah. It's just them backlit in like dark rooms on these holograms. Basically yep. the exact same thing. Yep. It's it's pretty much shot for shot that scene actually. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're talking to a one-eyed guy. I mean, he has this he has a a magical second eye. But yeah. Yeah. Uh my worst favorite is actually related to that. My oh. worst favorite? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> uh my worst uh, is the whole Kaiba thing, actually. Uh, and Kaiba's sort of fluctuating intelligence as the story goes on. Because this child... He is making really dumb mistakes. This youth, who is a genius and can just build portable holographic generators... In a cave his, with a box of scraps. <laughs> right, exactly. Using like whatever spare tools at hand. He just MacGyvers together this holographic generator that he can carry around. Uh, Kaiba's definitely Iron Man, and Pegasus is... Uh, Captain Fury, Nick Fury. Oh, he is, isn't he? 
oh my god. I'd like for you to oh, join the, the Avengers joke. initiative, Yugi boy. Oh, that's the joke you were making earlier, and I totally missed it about the one-eyed guy. I'm so sorry. Yeah, who else am oh, I talking no. about? I forgot that <laughs> Nick Fury only had one eye. I'm the worst. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, you're so right. It's basically shot for shot that scene. Oh, I'm, oh I feel so dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, so the, I forgive you. So the thing that specifically bugs me is we have this whole scene where it's Kaiba in his summer mansion, uh, sort of pouring over like notes and simulations and all these things, and he goes, "Yeah, he's building like these high tech things." Just sorry to intrude, no, it's but fine. he's building all this like high tech holographic projector stuff, and he's working on this like '90s beige computer. Yeah, and you and, notice that. Well, yeah, that's fine. Like again, like we said, like you can can't have the best computers in your summer mansion, right? Exactly. You got to save that stuff for the winter mansion, obviously. Um, but so he's pouring over all these things, and he goes, "I'm trying to calculate the odds. It's impossible that Yugi would have beaten me here." Is it? No, he just has cards that let him win the game instantly. <laughs> right, exactly. And he goes, it's, it's impossible that he would have drawn, that he would have had this much faith in his grandfather's deck that he would have drawn the exact card that he needed to beat me. And that card was Exodia, uh, the destroyer or whatever, that literally no one else has drawn before. And he starts sort of like giving in this idea of like, is, is it possible that the heart of the cards is something that I need to think more about? And... Okay, like, that's fine if you want to believe in the heart of the cards. Like, that's one thing, but don't Kai, but tell you me... need to accept the heart of the cards into your life. But don't tell me that you can't... You, Mr. I-can-build-a-holographic-generator-out-of-duct-tape-and-a-prayer, uh, can't calculate the odds of somebody drawing a card from a deck. Because, okay, <laughs> there are not many rules that we know about in this game, but there are a few. One of the rules is there are only so many cards in your deck. There's about 40. And one of the other rules is you can only draw one card at a time. So what are the odds of him drawing that card? About one in 40. <laughs> Gee, I wonder how it was mathematically possible <laughs> that he could have drawn the right card. Hmm, I wonder what the math on that is. I don't know. It's impossible to tell. It's he also used the phrase like quantum... Something. Do you remember what the exact oh wording God. was? You no. mentioned like some kind of like quantum it, calculation. It would have been in this script. I'm sure they just wrote techno babble, right? Like it's just nonsense that he's saying, and it's all to avoid doing the very simple math that of course it's likely that he would have drawn this card because it's a it's five cards that make up Exodia, <laughs> and there's forty cards in the deck, so it's five and forty. Like it's not. It's not hard math. I, I don't... Losing a duel should not affect someone's psyche this much. <laughs> Granted, his mind was opened by Yuki's magical powers, so maybe, yeah. maybe that ruined his math. I don't know. Magic. Anyway, that's my worst. Yeah, he's uh, trying to find sense and reason in a world that is clearly ruled by magic and esoteric knowledge. Exactly, exactly. So, and then, he's going to have a bad time. And then he goes one step further and jumps out the fucking window like he has a plan, but clearly doesn't because he fucking dies. <laughs> fucking born identity and, jumping out the window. And the next time we see him, he is literally a zombie. So, I don't know. I'm just, I expected more of Kaiba. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Uh, I will say, though, I do have an honorable, if I may, I apologize. I have an honorable best. What is uh, that? So you... 
stole kind of my first best of uh, 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 Pegasus is laughing at the beginning. Oh, yeah. He's just sitting there reading his comic books going, oh, which is really great because like we get that, like I said, that first two minutes of Mokuba kind of panting and grunting and we get the one spoken line from the, the manservant and then it's a full minute of Pegasus laughing at comics. And that's the, God, the these, these are the first like five minutes of the episode. It's amazing. Uh, so my my honorable favorite is the moment where he says the prisoner has escaped, and without missing a beat, he goes, "Which one?" <laughs> and, and you can you can hear the gears turning in his head. And I, I'm kind of picturing Pegasus saying to himself, like, "Please don't say the one in the sex dungeon. Please don't say the one in the sex dungeon." I thought what they were freaking ham, <laughs> right? Like. It's so good. And you wonder how many prisoners does he have? And it's probably just the one, right? Like I don't know. He's got a big castle. Who knows who's who knows? who's got down there? Although, okay, to be fair, he does still have grandpa's soul. So maybe he's That's true. That maybe grandpa's soul escaped from the magic VHS tape. That's uh, not gonna happen. Nah. Anyway, uh yeah. Do you have anything else to to say about season one, episode eight, everything's relative? Nah. All right. Well, uh, that, I think, will do it for us uh, this week. That's going to duel it for us. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, thank you guys again for your patience. I know this is a, a late uh, episode this week, but we'll be back on a regular schedule next week. Uh, before we go, it's, it's time, time to uh, 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 end the episode. And, Jimmy, this is what I was thinking. I'm going to turn my laptop back on here. Uh, I have or are you going to pull up a random card? I would love to have a card of the week segment, if you will uh, enthuse sure. me with this. Uh, I'm going to hit refresh here on the tool. This week's card is Majesty Majin. Wow. This week's card is a card I can say. This week's card is Majesty Maiden, the true Draco Mage. Uh, this is a five-star worm slash effect monster uh, with 2,300 attack and 1,500 defense. And the text says, hey, girl, I'll show you my worm effect. And the, <laughs> and the text says, for the tribute summon, but not set of this card, you can also tribute continuous spell trap cards. Once per turn during either player's turn, when your opponent activates a card or effect while you control this tribute summon card, you can add one true Draco or true king card or true king monster from your deck to your hand. And that's this week's card. All right. Majesty Maiden, the true Draco Mage. And with that, we will end the episode. Have a good week, everybody. <laughs>